Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Jeff Johnson here with Angela Hanscom. How you doing, Angela? I'm doing great. Great. We've been we've been talking. I, I had another story pop to mind after our at last episode where we were talking about uh, uh, kids playing. We've talked about kids playing with uh, with office chairs, and we talked about uh, visual affordances, and we talked about adding some novelty to the environment. Um, I was out for a walk the other day and noticed a couple of neighborhood kids. This is this is post thunderstorm, and so they're they're playing in a apartment complex parking lot. And there's a big puddle of water. It must be 12 foot across and uh, probably four or five inches deep at the deepest. So this is a this is a decent sized uh, urban puddle for these two little girls. They're probably six and eight years old. And I, I walk by once and they're just kind of tentatively tiptoeing into it. And when I come back from the, the loop on my walk, they have they have acquired a couple plastic like the plastic grocery store bags. And they're trying to use, they're trying to fill those in water because there's this apparently internal need when you're a young child near water that you need to, to scoop it up and transport it. And so they're, they're trying to gingerly kind of, without ripping the bag against the asphalt, scoop up this water and get as much water in the bag. And so one girl kind of does the little scoopy thing and the other is taking her hands and, and using it as a scoop to ladle water into the bag. And then they, they, they throw it. And just, just giggle. I could hear them from the other side of the street, just cackling with joy. And then, of course, they they scoop at it again, and, and they try to fill the bag again. And and finally, in the third throw, their their bag bursts, and they were you just see the, the they're, they're they're just crestfallen as they realize that this plastic bag isn't gonna gonna work for water scooping anymore. And um, one of them toddled off. I, I I assume she was off to wherever they they acquired the bag from, looking for something else. So um, let's talk about plastic bags and water play and whatever else this makes you think about. Sure. Um, that's so how deep was it? Did it must have say? been six inches at the deepest. Oh, six inches. Okay. Um, yeah. And not, not gonna, be... I'm not going to lose a minute. Yeah, that's good. I, th I think that that was, um, it's super creative that they were using their resources to yeah. try to, you know, they're using the plastic bags and there was a bit of cause and effect, you know, that it broke and everything. Um, were they totally immersed in the puddle or were they kind of on the outskirts? They bit? were, they were, by the time they had the bag, they were like standing in the, that's how I figured out the, the deepness. It was kind of coming up mid ankle on, okay. on them They're So they're, they're finally, it, they were just tiptoeing in the first time I saw them, but later they were right in the middle of it with that bag, trying to, trying to get the water at that deepest part of the, uh, of the puddle there. That's so funny. So we have these giant mud puddles over here as well. And, um, we'll often, stage a play experience near it, especially when it gets warmer. And we see that a lot. We'll see some kids that will stay on the outskirts um, in the beginning and they might, they might stay on outskirts for weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's some kids that just go right in. And so you can kind of look at where they're at sensory wise too, because water play, especially with mud, um, it, that's probably a little different than where, what you were observing, but with the mud, it's definitely a new tactile experience. And some uh -huh. kids are just not ready for that. Um, but the nice thing about having that much space with giant puddles is, and the, uh, as play is a choice is, um, it's helpful for children to be able to regulate what they're ready for. And so 
when the play is super motivating, like those girls in the beginning, they were kind of on the outskirts uh-huh. because it was, they were so immersed in the play. They started, it sounds like they started to go in deeper and yeah. without even realizing it and getting wet. Um, so that play often trumps anxiety sense and sensory issues because it's so motivating. So yeah, that's it, one thing I thought about right away, besides the novelty of using material to gather water. Yeah, that that's and and the other thing about it is, I mean, it's it's early spring here in Iowa and it must have been 42 degrees out that yeah. morning. And um, I mean, so that, that's that's some cold water. Um yeah. and so that that has a uh, that's a whole different sensory experience, tiptoeing into that cold water compared to getting into a warm bathtub at the end of the day or something. So yeah. um I think that was kind of a novel, novel part of it too. And yeah. and they were they were I can't one had shoes on and was, I mean, right in the middle of it with her shoes and socks on. And the other had 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 fine was was it with her shoes at the beginning and it kicked them off when they were engaged in the, in the water bag place. So that kind of a little bit of bravery uh, uh, going shoeless that, that early in the spring, I think for her. Absolutely. Um, water always draws children in too. Um, we have in our woods, we have this marshy area that uh-huh. only has water in the springtime and it's um, it's, the ground is very uneven. So it has like these little magical, they feel like they're islands out there. Um, And there's um, tons of um, like low lying trees and stuff. So just this past last week and the week before it started to get warmer, all the ice melted and now it's water. And so that has been drawing a lot of children. And there's another vernal pond in another area and if you went out there right now, you'd see like bridges all throughout like a network. <laughs> There's um, waterfront homes over there now, right? Because that's like prime spot. <laughs> We've had um, one time kids built a log cabin right on the water and they had a pulley system that went out through the island so they could um, transport items out deeper into the islands. Oh, wow. Um, with a basket. Yeah. So it's really neat because it lends itself to a whole different play. Um, and there's an element of risk-taking, like when they cross, they're, uh-huh. they're testing out their bridges, um, and crossing over to different islands. Um, but we have to, I, once it gets warm enough, I'm always okay with them playing out there. Um, as in, it, that's kind of when I tell parents to bring an extra pair of clothes, cause I'm constantly changing the children, <laughs> like you're yeah. having to change them more often. We won't necessarily let them do that when it's, um, winter because they could get uh, hypothermia and stuff. Um, yeah, you got to kind of manage that. Right. But if free, in the winter, when it gets really cold, it freezes. So that's also a fun area because it's all ice. It's like islands stuck in ice. So they'll uh, play up there too when it's frozen. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing, Angela, you, you always from my experience with recording this show, you always uh, uh, seem to be on the the bigger is better um, bandwagon when it comes to mud play and water play and sand play, the the water in a natural or not natural outdoor area in a big um, area is better than the the little water play tote in inside. Now, if your only option is that little water play tote inside the water play table, whatever it is, by all means, go for that. But if you can go bigger um, and and outside, you're always doing better, huh? Yeah, because it's the reason why is because it's total body immersion. So like even those girls, like they went fully in versus yeah, you know, maybe their hands get in 
Um, um, and then I think like the puddles are great, but then if you like mud puddles are even better because then you're getting mud and that component. And then it's even better with like the, um, when you're in a natural setting, obviously. So there's kind of like a scale of like what's therapeutic and then you get even more therapeutic. And then like when you're immersed in nature too, then you get all the natural, um, like the lighting is different. Uh -huh. You get bird sounds, the trees. Um, so, well, I mean, it's all about the amount of sensory input and the environmental variables, huh? Yep. Absolutely. So that's great. And so what with timber nook, what's your, I mean, everybody, you, you talk water play and I mean, there are people that panic if a kid plays with a teacup full of water because they might drown. And, and I mean, those things can and do happen. And so what's your whole take on, on water safety? Um, if, if you have some thoughts. Yeah. Well, obviously well, at Timbernook, we, they're supervised. And so, um, and you have to have like adults observing, I think, um, when the it's really little ones like if you're doing this in a home environment i think they should definitely be supervised um but i don't but i think if it's kind of like the bathtub like you wouldn't just leave your toddler in the bathtub alone you would be in there with them but mm -hmm. it's such a good opportunity so if you could get your toddlers out near giant mud puddles or at the beach or that um, there's nothing like water and dirt play. It's just very rudimentary. It's very therapeutic and healing to children. Yeah. Um, and they will just experiment with it in so many different ways over and over again. So I, you can stage it again. You can um, like, you can put trucks and uh, planks near the mud puddles to see what they do with it. You can put different types of scoops, um, different types of bolts, stainless steel bowls, um, all sorts of things by puddles, but again, you would probably want to sit there, um, for little ones when they're older, I yeah. mean, they're much more capable, but, um, and then the other key thing is maybe just observing the children and allowing them to direct their play. And, uh, we tend to interrupt them a lot and be like, look at this, look at this. And it's constantly interrupting their play ideas. So mm -hmm. for little ones, just really just observing, um, yeah, you can you can be there and be managing for for safety and not be interrupting. Yes. Yeah. Now, now my my dream if it is to get the kids we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the office chair together with the puddle girls and see what what they could come up with the office <laughs> chair and the big puddle um because like that that would be that would be some delightful play i would like to observe but uh <laughs> be but, water skiing through that yeah 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 <laughs> i don't think i'm going to be able to set that up maybe i just yeah. need to i just need to find an old maybe i need to get a new office chair here in the studio <laughs> and put this one in that just haul this one up the street to that parking lot and uh, and see if the girls find it next time it rains. We'll, we'll yeah, all, place I'm, it by the puddle. <laughs> I'll make a note to do that. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? No. This has been Timbernook Tips. Thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Timbernook Tips. Share your questions and comments at playvolutionhq.com slash podcast slash Timbernook for more Angela, visit timbernook.com. For more Jeff, visit explorationsearlylearning.com. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.